Welcome to Taking the Plunge Podcast. I'm Marissa. And I'm Mara. Join us as we take the plunge into all things dating over 40. A quick reminder to please take a moment to give us a review, share, and subscribe to our podcast. It really helps us. And also, if you're interested in being a guest on our show or have any questions for us, feel free to reach out. All of our information and contact us info is under the show notes in each episode. We just had the most interesting interview with our guest, Chantel. She is the author of 10 books. The book we get into on this episode is called No More Assholes. And she is also a dating coach. She's better known as Canada's dating coach on all socials. She has so many great tips, one of which is the three-month no-kissing rule. We get into that, why, where it came from, all that good stuff. Such an interesting episode, and we're so excited for you to hear it. Welcome, Chantel, to Taking the Plunge podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, you guys. Yes, we're so excited you're here. And we actually got introduced to you from a past guest we had, Hope with Holly. And you have an incredible, huge following on TikTok right now. And you're known as Canada's Dating Coach. So before we kind of get to that, get to your book, get to the three-month no-kissing rule, which so many people are talking about on TikTok right now, we wanted to go back, rewind a bit to what you were doing prior to being a dating coach and an author and all of these awesome things. Yeah. And this is part of my superpower because I, listen, I'm teaching women how to understand men. So where does this come from in me? How, how did I ever become an expert in this? Well, I spent 20 years in strip clubs. I was a stripper for 20 years. I, I told my mom when I was six, I was going to be a stripper. I really feel like my life has unfolded in a way that has made me such an amazing life coach. And I've been able to overcome so many things and understand so many things because of the history that I've gone through, whether it's understanding why I chose bad relationships because my mom was abusive and I was repeating familiarity or being able to understand the difference between a selfish short-term thinker and a generous long-term thinker. Because for 20 years, I was talking to males in strip clubs and coming to an understanding that this is the kind of male you can depend on. And this is the kind of male you can have fun with. And did you learn a lot of that through and when you were stripping? So much. Because like you, you see, like you see all the kinds in a strip club. You see the men who are loyal, devoted, but just lonely because they're working so hard. They don't have time for a girlfriend, but they have a few hours a week that they can give on their their own agenda. Because when you get into a relationship, there's expectations, right? And I like to say, ex listen, I learned this from my husband. Expectations are a story you create inside your head that disappoints you if it doesn't come true. When we start a relationship with somebody, we have an expectation of how they're going to show up for us. Sometimes what we got in the strip club is men who are very busy and unable to meet someone's expectations, but they still want companionship. And so they come in and they'll, they'll get a girlfriend experience. They'll pick a girl that they bond with, and that's the one they like to go and spend time with. But because it's on their terms, if he doesn't show up for a week, what am I going to say about that? He's a client, not a boyfriend. And so they're able to show up on their way 
and and not be demonized for it. So we get the ones who are really fantastic men just wanting a little bit of female companionship and cuddles and conversation to the ones who are like, I'm a pillar of society and a married man, but I like to fuck around on the side. You said you knew you were at six years old that you wanted to become a stripper. So how at six or what at six, where did that come from for you? So I'm 50 years old. So you can imagine as six years old, born in 72, right? I was, you know, watching TV on a Saturday afternoon. And I don't know if you remember, but Saturday afternoons were really boring when it came to TV because that's when the little kids were supposed to go outside and play. And so the cartoons were over. So I'm flipping through the channels and I come across a black and white movie. And the person that I see is Sally Rand. Now, if you Google her, she is an iconic, iconic burlesque dancer who was also a feminist. Mm. She introduced the feather fans in burlesque dancing. So she was very iconic. And I didn't know, I'm six years old flipping through the channels and I come on the scene and it's like, it's a ballroom with the crystal chandeliers and the men dressed to the nines. And I got this vibe of anticipation. I was like, oh, what's this? And I paused on it. And what I see next is a woman come out onto a stage in a sparkly bikini and little kitten high heels and her feather fans. And I was like, oh, that's me. I connected to her. I went, that's me. That's who I want to be. When I could legally get into clubs in 19 in Montreal, the first place I went to legally was a strip club. When you were involved in relationships, when you were stripping, was there ever any concern from your partners in that? Only once, only once uh, did I date somebody who was insecure about my stripping and I did quit for him. Lo and behold, he was a cheater, mm. right? This abs absolute cheater. So I've never, except for this one time, dated anybody who was insecure about my stripping. Uh, even my husband, he was my client for two and a half years, which is how I got to know him before we started our relationship. Oh. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we got together. I was still stripping. I said, would you, would you ever want me to quit? He was like, no, absolutely not. And like my husband is like the epitome of the ultimate man, because, you know, there's a lot of things that I say that I actually got from him. And one of them I got from observing him, which is it's not fair to ask for anything you're not willing to do first. My husband never wants to be controlled. So my husband never tries to control me. You mentioned that you were in an abusive relationship, which I'm really sorry. And that's incredible that you got out because it's not easy to get out of those types of relationships. What were your, but I, from your book, I think that there were a few relationships right in between that relationship and your husband. What did, what was that journey like? I had to learn in stages how to stop being abused and how to stop being abusive. And what was passed on inside of me is anger, not just anger, pure rage, absolute rage. And that's probably what was unleashed on my mom. So I had to learn to undo that abusive cycle in stages. So it, it really was a journey ultimately ending with my current marriage almost ending because of this cycle of anxiety and insecurity and abuse and dysfunction that just kept vomiting itself into my life. And as my relationship teetered on the verge of being over, I had a realization that I needed 
to change my brain. Those were literally the words in my head. I need a new brain. And the universe will give you what you need when you need it, when you ask for it. And so I said, I need a new brain. And I picked up my iPad and I went on Facebook and I went flip, flip, flip. And on the third one was an article by Harvard, Eight Weeks to a Better Brain. And I went, that's what I just asked for. I read the article and it was about meditation, how they did a study where they had people come in, do an MRI scan, go home, meditate for eight weeks, come back, do another MRI scan, looked at the two side by side and saw the amygdala shrink. That's the part of your brain that's fight or flight, that's stress, fear, and anxiety. I immediately started meditating and it immediately started releasing the emotions from my life that were trapped inside of me. Grief over my sister passing, grief over my mom's abuse, grief over how I'd been treated in all these relationships, grief over how I was destroying my life at that very moment. And I started meditating. And that's when when my life took the upward swing. I started to feel better. My relationship got better and everything around me became what I needed it to be. How long till you started really starting to notice these differences, these changes in you after starting meditation? I started noticing a difference right away because what I started doing is letting my emotions happen. And I started feeling the anxiety start to go down. I started feeling the grief start to come out because what happens as we go through life is we do a lot of not nows. I want to cry, but there's people in front of me, so not now. And you push a lot of stuff down and you push it down over and over again. And what you don't realize is it all stays trapped inside of you. And I had a lot to let go of. And I had a lot to just release without assigning a story because all those not nows, if one of them comes up and you try to give it a story, what of the thousand not nows is this particular emotion attached to? you're not going to find the right story. So just let the emotion happen. And what I started doing very quickly after I started meditating was crying because I had I'd gotten used to pushing it down and I started releasing my emotions and I started hearing the voice in my head that's so much smarter than me that started giving me, giving me the tools to stop the conflict in my relationship. Instead of attacking my husband when he came home with that thing he needs to fix, I started asking myself, what am I not asking forgiveness for? How long after you started the meditation did you move into becoming a dating coach and sharing? It sounds like you've amassed lots of wonderful knowledge and And so what was that journey like moving from shipping to actually passing on all that knowledge to other people who were trying to manage this dating scene? It was actually happening simultaneously. It was because that moment where I said I need a better brain, I need a new brain was the moment that I was writing my first seminar, my first dating seminar. It's beautiful how the universe always gives you what it is that you need. Here I am writing my first seminar and all this information is trying to come through a funnel in big blocks and it's jamming in my head. And so here I am going, I want to get all this out right now, but it's overwhelming me. I need a new brain. And here the Mm -hmm. universe gives me meditation, which I don't know if you know yet. I know one of you does calms your brain enough for you to start seeing things much more clearly. And it helped me tremendously in every single way, shape, and form. That's incredible. And and kind of along with that, you talk a lot about overcoming fear in your book and kind of the fake it till you make it, which I love. I think that's like so yes. true. One thing Mara and I have have noticed and come across a lot with the people we've interviewed and met with is especially more women as they age, this fear of 
again, as I'm getting older, what if I never meet someone? What if I die alone? And that a lot of men seem to be attracted to younger women and also with dating apps and this, the abundance of options out there that it seems as if, or women feel as if oftentimes that men don't want to put in the effort anymore. So yeah. walk us through your, your thoughts around all of that type of, those types of fears and concerns. The fear of being alone, period, is a very natural fear. We are herd animals by nature. Uh, we have a, listen, we're born with a fundamental understanding. We are not bored without, we're not born without knowing anything. We are born knowing certain things. And so we think we have to be with a romantic partner, but we don't. We should not be alone but we don't have to be with a romantic partner. So instead of taking that fear of being alone and saying, I have to be in a relationship, take that fear of being alone and say, I have to, I have to strengthen my friendships. Mm. I have to strengthen my social bonds and create your tribe of people. And you will understand that it's better to be with these people than in a romantic relationship that isn't good for you. A lot of people don't operate from this little thing that I'm about to tell you right now. A lot of people don't realize this. And I keep saying this over and over again, and I want people to really incorporate this. If your mismanagement of your behaviors has a detrimental effect on my mental health and emotional well-being, I have to go. But unfortunately, too many people are choosing a romantic relationship and foregoing their mental health. Yeah. How do you um, how do you answer the question or help people think about situations where they really love somebody? Their instinct is to stay with the person and they feel in their gut that they can help this person to grow and change and become the person that they need. But right now that person has toxic behaviors, thoughts, et cetera. For me to look at my husband and say, I can change you. That's my ego talking. I didn't pick somebody that I accept. I chose somebody to change. And that's ego. I want you, but you're not good enough. You have to be this to be the person I want. So it's, it's not a good thing to stay with somebody that you're trying to change. Something that I often say is we don't pick people to change. We pick the people who are right for us. And so that's why we use a no kissing for three months dating role. I'm going to find out who you are before I make a selection, observation before selection. I'm going to pick the person who's right for me because that's how we don't fight and argue because fighting and arguing is a symptom of them not being the right person. So when we take the time to actually understand who someone is before we select them for a relationship, we're not going to fight and argue with them trying to change them because we picked the person that we didn't need to change. So you brought up the three-month rule. And again, it's, it's a pretty big hot topic right now on TikTok. And I actually screenshot some messages because I asked, well, I asked men, but I think the guys responded from, because you talk a lot about guys <laughs> versus men, right? If you could fill everyone in a little bit more about where that came from, if three months in particular, there was a reason for three months, but I'll just read a few of the comments from the guys that when I asked that question about how they felt about yeah. it. And just, just to clarify, if, if people don't understand, what I call guys are selfish short-term thinkers and what I call men are generous long-term thinkers. So it's a mindset. When it's good for playtime, listen, when I don't want a relationship, I'm in girl mode. 
If I just want to play and I don't want a relationship, I need to play with the guys. But when I'm looking for a long-term relationship, I'm going to plug in and look after this person. I'm going to put some effort in there. And I want to do this for the long-term because I'm looking for a long-term relationship. So I'm in generous long-term thinking mode. So here are just a few, a few comments that some guys had to say. Three months is an arbitrary number. A better rule is no physical intimacy for five dates, question mark. If you can't form an emotional connection by then, move on. Another one is, some gals give me this. I'm hitting the road. I'm definitely not investing any time resources into a gal who proposes that. And one last one, three months is unreasonable. You'll know the chemistry is there early on. If she wants that journey, great. 99% of men don't. So how do you respond to comments like that? Absolutely. Look at these guys. Look, look at them having, look at them talking about chemistry and not about connection. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so listen, I'm looking for a long-term relationship, not a hookup. If you're incapable of connecting with me mentally and emotionally, I need to know because I shouldn't be kissing that person. It's a good thing I didn't kiss you. If you're incapable of building a foundation that holds up a healthy relationship of friendship, respect, share goals and timelines, appreciation of each other's efforts, ability to communicate and solve things with me and make each other laugh, why would I kiss you? I don't give you the physical just to feel some kind of way when you're incapable of connecting with me in a mature, functional way. Get to know them before you fall for them because what's going to happen if I'm kissing somebody for three months? You get committed. I'm going to get feelings. And what's going to happen after three months, the veil comes off my eyes because the honeymoon period wears off, right? So again, what made me do that? It was the kiss. So if I take away the kiss, I take away the roller coaster ride. I take away the veil over my eyes and I give myself the power to maintain my perspective and make an informed decision about who I choose. I was just going to ask you about some of the specific activities that you get that you give women to do in order to better understand themselves and in order to better understand the man that they're searching for. Can you talk about those a little bit? Because again, when Holly talked about it, when I read them in your book, I thought that they were really interesting and could be beneficial to a lot of people. So one of them is doing a 50 I am list. So writing 50 things about yourself that are positive. And people who have low self-esteem are going to struggle to find those 50. But it's important to define yourself because when you see yourself more clearly, you are able to accept a positive view of yourself. How many people do you know reject a compliment, right? Oh, you're so pretty. Your hair looks so good today. Oh, no, it doesn't. This is this. Let me point something that negates what you just said that was good about me. So we need to understand ourselves in a positive way so that when people see the goodness in us, we go, you're right. You're right. I am beautiful. I am smart. I am accomplished. I am amazing. You need to be able to agree with the good things that are said about yourself, not negate them. That's one of the tricks. Another one is taking responsibility for your own thoughts, emotions, and behaviors and thinking about what you're going to do before you do it. Another one I I liked that you wrote about is really writing down what your ideal partner would look like and being specific and then also comparing it to maybe past relationships that didn't work out. I found that 
super helpful and really just interesting to kind of think about when you really get specific with those things. Was there something you might have discovered about yourself in that? Yes, there was there was definitely a lot of things I discovered and just again patterns that I was recreating over and over and over again and when I saw specific words written out it was like, "Oh, that's really interesting. Certain things that I hadn't thought of quite in that way." Yes, we seek what's familiar even if it's wrong for us and it's really important for us to become super conscious about everything we're going to say and do before we do it and really setting intentions in our lives. The thing that I like to often ask myself before I do something is, okay, wait a second, does this behavior match my intention? And this is literally like like one of the things that really helped me get from 10 years of fighting with my husband to eight years now without a fight. Before I would say something, I'd say, okay, wait a second, does this match my intention? Before I would go to him, I would have a conversation in my head even. This is what I would say. I know him well enough. What's he going to say back? Here it is. What would I respond to that? What is he going to say back to me? And I would literally play it out in my head. And if I couldn't get to a good outcome, then I didn't go to him with it because I already knew what was going to happen. So why create the chaos? What tips, if any, do you have for people who are trying to navigate this new world of dating apps? So I don't have tips. I have methodologies. Um, I always say, make sure you grab no more assholes because I really do teach people to date efficiently and effectively. And while you were learning to date efficiently and effectively, you were also building yourself up so that when you do find that partner who's going to love you more than dysfunction, you have done work in the meantime to make yourself a more functional person so that you can start a relationship in a healthier way. So what I do is I work with clients to create a really kick-ass dating profile. I, I pick the kind of pictures that are going to attract the person that they're looking for. For example, that initial picture, we make the mistake of thinking we need to look sexy to attract a man, but sexiness will attract a guy, the guy who's just looking for sex. So instead of looking sexy on your initial picture, ask yourself, what do I want to do with the man I want to be with? Do I, what do I want to do? Like do, do you want to do walks on the beach every night? Cause you love the sunset. Do you want to go and have tapas every night? Cause you love food. Do you want to go camping? Cause you love the outdoors. Then that initial picture needs to be you doing that thing that you want to do regularly with that person that you're going to meet because that person flipping through pictures sees you doing that thing that they like to do. And they go, Ooh, I like to do that. And she looks cute. Let me take a look at what she's about. Some Somebody looking for a relationship takes a look at what you're about. They're not just looking at your picture, looking for sexiness. So he's going to read your profile and I make it so kick-ass. There's always somewhere in there that makes him smile. So there's, there's some, you know, it's very revealing about you, but it's also very tongue in cheek because we want to make it interesting. Then the next step is only responding to people who make it obvious they've read your profile because the guys who are just looking for a body aren't reading words and they're using, hey, how are you? Hey, beautiful. Hey, how's your day? So do you notice how it's so generic? There's no concept that they read anything about you. Immediate delete, immediate delete, immediate delete. Don't even look at their profiles. Don't even go, ooh, he looks good. Maybe I'll see what he's about. No, waste of time because he's already let you know he doesn't care about what you're about. Now that's that's awesome. That's super helpful. One final question before we wrap things up that we often ask our guests, but we'll ask you in a little bit of a different way is oftentimes we ask, ask our guests if they're like in a speed dating situation and there's someone sitting across from them and they had three questions they could ask them, what would those be? What would you tell people on a first date? 
the three most important questions would be to ask the person sitting across from you? So it's important to not waste time. And we know what our fundamental values are. And I call fundamental values those things that you need the cooperation on. I want to get married. I want to have a kid. I want to live in a certain place in the world. I want to live in a house. I want to live in a camper. These are things you need their cooperation on. So you need to understand if they're aligned with your fundamental values, because what's the point of continuing on if they don't? Uh, sometimes people are afraid of bringing those, those things up too soon. They say, oh, no, you'll scare him away. Let's think about that for a second. Who are you going to scare away? The one who wants what you want? Right. That's not logical. You're not going to scare away the one who knows what he wants. And you want somebody who's on the same page as you. Are you clear about what you want? Then don't pick somebody unclear. So when you have that conversation in the beginning, you find out where they are. Are they as clear as you? And do they want the same things? Because if they're not, Adios. I don't have time to waste on somebody who doesn't know what they want. And especially not as somebody who doesn't want what I want. So I would get that out of the way. Let them know. And the way you do it is you're not, listen, we're not begging anything anymore. Okay. We are women. We are empowered. We are in charge. We are in control. I don't ask you what you want to see if I fit you. Fuck that. Sorry, but fuck that. I'm going to present what I want. I'm really intent on getting into a committed long-term relationship. I want to get married, have a kid or two, whatever it is. I want to buy a house. This is my timeline. What about you? I love that. Did you notice how I didn't, I didn't turn that into, I'm going to follow you. It is, I know who I am. I know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for my match. Who are you? I love that. Thank you so much, Chantal. Again, no more assholes. Everybody go read it. And where can people find you if they want more information and to see all the wonderful books that you've written, your coaching, everything? I am so super easy to find. If you type Canada's Dating Coach into Google, you'll find my YouTube channel, my podcast on multiple platforms, my TikTok. I'm I'm very, very active on TikTok. I live stream Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. until noon. I love holding space for people because the conversations are so beautiful. I get these updates. We just got engaged, right? So it's just, it's such a beautiful journey. I love that. That's awesome. And we'll put all of your links in our show notes as well. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. 